Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in share a parable with you that the Lord has shared with me. It's about Christianity being divided. You know, uh, many people today have their eyes on the coming beast. They see it forming. They uh, see the world getting ready to fulfill what we see in the scriptures. But I want to tell you who you need to get your eyes on is really the harlot, not the beast. Because that's where your trouble is going to come from. You know, throughout history, it has been those who were called God's people who hated and persecuted um, the saints of God, whether it was the prophets, whether it was Jesus, the apostles, or all the way up down through history. Um, the trouble came from people who were called the people of God. Well, obviously, they weren't saints. Because among the people of God, there are saints and there are ain'ts, right? That means they ain't saints, okay? So sanctified people are never going to persecute um, or revile Christians or cause a stumbling block. They're not going to do that. I want to talk to you about a parable about uh, Jacob and Esau. Uh, there were sons of Abraham. Both of them were sons of Abraham, born as twins, right? And um, and yet one of them failed and one of them didn't. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, all who are out there, according to Romans, are sons of Abraham. But uh, many are called and few are chosen. We want to be among the chosen. Jacob was the chosen, right? And Esau failed. And there's a parable in scriptures I want to point out to you because it's a good exhortation for these days and really what's going on around the world and what's going on around the world throughout history, actually. I'm going to start in uh, Genesis 25 and 30. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom, because Edom means red, right? And uh, and that was, by the way, was the name of his seed, Edomites. Okay. And as you know, in scriptures, we have studied and seen over and over that you are a spiritual child of those whom you walk in the steps of. If you walk in the steps of Jesus, you're a Christian. If you don't, you're not. Okay. We're told that in First John. Uh, if you walk in the steps of Judas, then you're a son of perdition. Uh, if you walk in the steps of Esau, okay, I want to point that out to you, that that's what the Edomites do. They walk in the steps of their father. Spiritually speaking, everyone walks in the steps of whoever their spiritual father is. Okay. 
Um, therefore, Jacob said, sell me first thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I'm about to die. And what profit shall the birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me first. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. So Esau despised his birthright. Well, now that's really strange for somebody that uh, values spiritual things. But there's people out there that are doing that. They despise their birthright. Uh, a birthright as a son of Abraham entitles you to much. <laughs> Matter of fact, everything, you know. Uh, but as a son of Abraham and Isaac, because of this, God gave Jacob the blessing too, uh, which is in chapter 27, verse 27. Basically, uh, Jacob the supplanter supplanted everything that Esau was. He began, he, be, he received the double portion, he received the blessing, and that was because Esau despised it, Esau sold it out, so on and so forth. Now look in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. It says, follow after peace with all men. This is very important. If you're going to be sanctified, if, you, if you're not, well, go ahead. But this is the only thing you can do if you're sanctified. Follow after peace with all men and the sanctification without which no man shall see the Lord. Sanctification means separation, separation from sin, uh, separation even from people that are not walking with God. As we're told in 1 Corinthians 5, you know, it says to separate from them, doesn't it? Well, amen. And, uh, and also in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, come ye out from among them. That's uh, verse uh, 17. Wherefore, come ye out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. So there's a condition. And I will be to you a father, and you shall be to me sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement, of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Well, that's a, speaking about one who will definitely follow in the steps of the Lord. In our text back in Hebrews 12, he said, follow after sanctification or separation. Do you know that when Jacob separated from Esau, he bore much fruit? Remember that, folks. The fruit that he bore surprised Esau when he came back into the promised land. And uh, verse 15 says, Looking carefully, lest there be any man that falleth short of the grace of God. 
Oh, my goodness, you, you can't afford to, there's nothing else can get you into the kingdom but the grace of God. You can't afford to fall short. Of course, without sanctification, without being in that process, you will fall short. And he goes on to say, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby the many be defiled. Well, a root of bitterness will cause you to fall short of the grace of God. Why is that? Well, bitterness comes from unforgiveness. And the Lord said, our Lord told us, that if we don't forgive, we're not forgiven. If you're not forgiven, guess what? You're falling short of the grace of God. You're falling short of sanctification. You're going to fall short of salvation. Okay. Lest any root of bitterness springing up and trouble you, and thereby the many be defiled. Well, now, you know who was defiled uh, when Esau failed? All of his seed up until this day were defiled. That means they became unclean from that same root of bitterness. I I want you to look at a natural parable now, okay? In the natural, look over there in the Middle East. What do you see? Well, you see the seed of uh, Ishmael and the Canaanites and the Philistines and Edom. Uh, in in one group called the Palestinians, of course, they go beyond that, around and about, but the Palestinians, who um, are also of the seed of Edom. Edom is one of those groups that's within that. And... Um, And there's a spirit of murder there against Jacob. You remember what happened to uh, Esau when he sold his birthright and then lost his um, blessing from Isaac? A spirit of murder came on him. He said, as soon as my father dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. And you know what? Jacob separated from him. And he bore much, much fruit. Praise the Lord. And uh, so this root of bitterness springing up will cause many to be defiled. Yeah, all of Jacob's, all of uh, Esau's seed was defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, which is an unclean person, as Esau, who for one mess of meat, I always say that's flesh, following after the flesh, right? I know it's a, a play on words, of course, but but for one mess of meat, he sold his own birthright. So he not only defiled himself with this spirit of um, murder, this uh, root of bitterness, this unforgiveness towards his brother, but his seed after him also inherited this because the sins of the parents are passed on unto the children of the third and fourth generation, we're told. So, um, and it also says, for you know that even when he afterwards desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. That's the word adokimos. It means reprobated. He was reprobated. For he found no place for a change of mind. And then they add in, in his father. No, it was him 
that found no place for a change of mind, which is the meaning for repentance. He found no repentance. He, in, he desired to inherit the blessing, but he didn't repent. He couldn't repent. God didn't help him repent. God didn't grant repentance. It says, though he sought it diligently with tears. Yes, he did. But his father um, had no more blessing for him. He said, nope, it's been given. And he is blessed. Jacob is blessed. Well, from this, we can see that there's a parable. Um, he's warning Christians in this text to beware not to be among them that are Esau's in having a root of bitterness and in uh, defiling many others uh, to war against Jacob, like they're doing in the Middle East right now in a very physical parable. Okay, But what happens to uh, Israel spiritual is kind of parallel to what happens to Israel natural because it's happening in the spirit in spiritual Israel, those who are circumcised in heart, right? It's happening, folks. And it's been happening since the beginning, and it's happening around the world. I want to share with you this parable. Look with me in Ezekiel uh, 34. I'm just going to remind you of a little background here. In Ezekiel 34, um, the Lord is um, um, complaining that the shepherds uh, don't feed the sheep. They've been feeding themselves. They've been living uh, luxuriously off of the sheep, but they're not feeding the sheep. They're not uh, binding up that which was wounded and broken, and they're not going and searching for the sheep, and so on and so forth. And so the Lord is angry. He says, I'm against the shepherds, verse 10. And uh, he's going to cause them to cease from feeding the sheep. So what happens then? Well, the sheep wander on off and they get to starving to death, you know. But then the Lord says uh, in verse 15, he says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord. I will seek that which was lost and will bring that back what, that which was driven away and bind up that which was broken, and so on and so forth. So how does he say he's going to do this? Well, it, if you go to verse um, 23, he says, And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. Now, this is not about that story, but I just want to point out to you the timing of this text so that when we talk about the, the parable I'm speaking of, you'll understand, okay? Um, I'll set up over them, over them one shepherd, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Well, when does, when does this happen in history? When does this happen? First of all, I want to point out to you, if you're not familiar with the Scriptures, what's being spoken about here is 500 years after David died. So it has nothing to do physically with David. But it does have to do with his seed. Because just as Edom, just as Esau was called Edom, he was called Edom throughout history. You know, and when you spoke of Edom later, you were speaking about his seed. 
And when you talk about Christ in the earth today, you're talking about the body of Christ in the earth today. You're talking about his seed, a corporate body, right? Corporate body, that's right. So this can't be speaking about any physical person named David because he had been gone for 500 years or almost 500 years. But we're told, for instance, in Jeremiah chapter 30, um, the, the timing of this. In verse 9 he says, But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. I will raise up unto them. Now this was like uh, 440 years after David was gone. So it's not talking physically of David. So look in the text. What does the text say? Well, it speaks of a time when the woman in travail with child brings forth the child in verse 6. And in verse 7, he calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. You recognize these both as end-time situations and uh, beginning of tribulation, right? Okay, that's the time when this David is going to come forth. And, and and as you follow on through, you actually see that the, the timing is the latter days, the last verse of the of that chapter, verse twenty four. The time is the latter days. And and then in, in thirty chapter thirty one it says, At that time, saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel? And that of course that's talking about all Israel. That's all those that are grafted into the olive tree. That's a Jew and Gentile um, in one olive tree. And they shall be my people, thus saith the Lord. The people that were left of the sword found favor in the wilderness. So now we're talking about the wilderness. Jacob's trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble. The time started when the woman in travail brings forth the child. So now you see the timing of this text that we're talking about in Ezekiel 34. I'll show it to you again in Hosea. Chapter 3, 4 and 5. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king and without prince. Has that happened? Yes, it's not only happened in the parable, it's happening in the fulfillment of the parable. It is happening. It's been that way for 2,000 years. Without king, without prince, and without sacrifice, and without pillar, and without ephod and teraphim. Afterward, Shall the children, after what? After those 2,000 years, shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall come with fear unto the Lord and to his goodness, what? In the latter days. Oh, the latter days. So, we re- so now we find that the text in Ezekiel 34 is talking about the latter days. And it has some awesome promises for this timing of this raising up of this David ministry, which follows the Saul ministry, which God rejected. Okay, From 25 on down to the end of the chapter, he speaks of giving them a covenant of peace, of uh, evil beasts ceasing out of the land. You know, the beasts uh, constantly ravaged Israel, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, you know, ravaged God's people. And they shall dwell securely in the wilderness. Okay. And then he speaks about the showers of blessings to come down in their season. In verse 26, 
And he speaks about they were they would be secure in their land. That means abiding in their promised land, right? And he just makes a bunch of, bunch of really good promises. He said he'd break the bars of their yoke uh, and deliver them out of the hand of those that made bondmen of them. And they shall no more be a prey to the nations, neither shall the, the beasts of the earth devour them, but they shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. Now, this is the people that are under the Davids. Not everybody will be under the Davids because some are going to refuse that. But this is God's ministry that he's raising up. He's promised in these latter days. It was like the ministry of Jesus, because Jesus was a type and a shadow of that end-time ministry. Jesus was called a sign in Isaiah 7, an oof, which means a sign of something to come. Okay? So it's kind of like the uh, the word in Revelation 12, 1 through 6, the signs and the stars. Uh, the word sign there is a sign of future things to come, okay? So we're watching for those things to be manifested that we saw signs of, right? So when you go on down to uh, verse uh, chapter 35, by the way, there was no chapter number there in the original, right? It just went right on, uh, and it's proven by the very first word. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me. So he's continuing what he was saying. It's continued text here. Why? Because the text he's about to speak from in chapter 35 happens in the same time as the David ministry. Okay? All right. Um, And 35 speaks of of, uh, Esau. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Sir. Now, Mount Sir is one of the the words that he used to describe Edom, or the kingdom of Esau, Mount Sur, and prophesy against it, prophesy against the Edomites, and say unto it, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against thee, O Mount Sur, and I will stretch out my hand against thee, and I will make thee a desolation and an astonishment and I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt be desolate. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Because why is the reason that he is going to destroy the Edomites? Well, here's the reason, the same thing we just read in Hebrews chapter 12. He said, because thou hast a perpetual enmity, and has given over the children of Israel to the power of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time of what? The iniquity of the end. Oh, my goodness. So there is an end-time fulfillment of this, right? It's clearly what he's saying. So this perpetual enmity we see over there in the Middle East today, Uh, perpetual war. Uh, no peace, no love, just anger, hatred, murder, war against Jacob. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord, I will prepare thee unto blood, and blood shall pursue thee, since thou hast not hated blood. 
therefore blood shall pursue thee. Thus will I make Mount Sir an astonishment and a desolation, and I will cut off from it him that passeth through and him that returneth. Okay, folks, I believe you can watch for this to happen in the natural and in the spiritual. In the natural with the natural people over there um, and in the spiritual with God's people who are divided up into the sons of Abraham, both Jacob and Esau. At the time Jacob and Esau were born as twins of the same mother and father, um, they were sons of Abraham and Isaac. And of course, Isaac had the exact same promise as Abraham. He said his seed would be as the stars of heaven, Genesis 26, uh, 3 and 4. He had the same promise. And so you've got two, which at that time represented the sons of Abraham. Okay, the sons of you're all sons of Abraham uh, through faith, the Bible says. Uh, Paul said in Romans. So the two sons of Abraham here represent uh, two sections of Christianity, who, who he was exhorting there in Hebrews chapter 12, not to have their birthright sold as a son of Abraham, which is what? Well, it's eternal. Your birthright is eternal as a son of Abraham. Right, uh, not to sell your birthright. It, you know, uh, Esau looked with little esteem on something that was extremely valuable, and uh, but Jacob didn't. Jacob wanted it. He said, "Thus will I make Mount Sir an astonishment and a desolation, and I will cut off from it him that passeth through and him that returneth." And I will fill its mountains with its slain, in thy hills and in thy valleys, and in all thy watercourses shall they fall that are slain with the sword. I will make thee a perpetual desolation. So they had a perpetual enmity, meaning total unforgiveness and bitterness, which of course causes anyone to lose their birthright, because if you're uh, unforgiving, you are not forgiven. You cannot be saved if you're not forgiven. Uh, that's the most dangerous thing that Christians do. A root of bitterness uh, is a festered unforgiveness. And, uh, you know, it, if you do that, you will lose your birthright. And I guarantee you there may be people out there laughing right now and believing anything they want to believe, but this is the Word of God. I will make thee a perpetual desolation. Thy cities shall not be inhabited. You shall know that I am the Lord. Because thou hast said, these two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it. Whereas the Lord was there, you know, some people think the Lord's not there. They can do what they want. They can uh, uh, oppress their brother. The Lord is there. He sees. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord, I will do according to thine anger and according to thine envy, which thou hast showed out of thy hatred against them. And I will make myself known unto them 
when I shall judge thee. Notice what he's saying. He said, they're going to reap what they've sown. He's going to do to the Edomites according to their anger and according to their envy. He's going to do unto them when he judges them. Because that is what the word says, after all. Uh, Don't be deceived. Whatsoever man sows, so shall he reap. And thou shalt know that I, the Lord, have heard all thy revilings. Uh, this is a cause for separation, First Corinthians chapter 5. A reviler, you separate from them. Uh, cast out the old leaven from among you, that you may be a new lump, right? You know, remember when Jacob uh, separated from Esau, that's when he bore so much wonderful fruit which thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, They are laid desolate. They are given us to devour. Yeah, they think that. They think that they can do whatever they want to Jacob. But the Lord is there. And you have magnified yourselves against me with your mouth and have multiplied your words against me. I have heard it. Thus saith the Lord, when the whole earth rejoiceth, I will make thee desolate. You know what an abomination that maketh desolate is? It's when a people commit abomination and they become desolate. What is desolate? Without God. What is that called? Reprobation. I'll show you confirmation here in just a few minutes. If a person holds on to a root of bitterness, they will be reprobated. God will not put up with it. Verse 15, As thou didst rejoice over the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so will I do unto thee. Thou shalt be desolate, O Mount Sir, and all Edom, even all of it, and they shall know that I am the Lord. I'm going to read a little bit of chapter 36 here, and then we'll look at another text. And thou, son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel, and say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, because the enemy has said against you, Aha! And the ancient high places are ours in possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, because, even because, they have made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, that you might be a possession unto the residue of the nations. You are uh, taken up in the lips of talkers and the evil report of the people. In other words, railing, reviling, slander. Therefore, You mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord to the mountains and to the hills and to the watercourses and to the valleys and to the desolate wastes and to the cities that are forsaken, which are become a prey and a derision to the residue of the nations that are round about. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, surely, 
In the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the nations and against all Edom that have appointed my land unto themselves for a possession. With the joy of all their heart, with despite of soul, to cast it out for a prey. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel, and say unto the mountains, and to the hills, and to the watercourses, and to the valleys, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my wrath, because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore thus saith the Lord, I have sworn, saying, Surely the nations that are round about you they shall bear their shame. But ye, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are at hand to come. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn unto you, and you shall build, and so on and so forth. It's all good stuff. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to look now at um, Obadiah. So we saw from that, basically, that um, the Edomites were being used to help the nations, which is true historically, or help the beast, if you will, uh, to, to conquer Israel. The Edomites, with their root of bitterness, are able to help the beast which is a, a nature of the flesh, the old man, the beast, uh, to help the beast to conquer God's people. Are you getting my, my drift here? Okay. Because, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, um, your, your flesh is an enmity with God. It is the enemy of God. It lusts against the spirit. And the spirit lusts against the flesh. These two are contrary one to another. Anything that helps the beast conquer you is your enemy. And let me tell you one thing that will definitely permit the beast to conquer you, and that's unforgiveness and bitterness. And it will cause you to give up your birthright. You will lose your birthright. You will have no rights as a son of Abraham. You will have no rights that are eternal. And I'm going to prove it to you right here in Obadiah, verse 8. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Sodom, or out of Edom, excuse me, and understanding out of the Mount of Esau? What's that sound like? Sounds like reprobation. They're not going to have any wisdom. No wisdom from God, no discernment, no direction. And then what does he say? And thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed. To the end, this is to the end, that everyone may be cut off from the Mount of Esau by slaughter. So it didn't start out with slaughter. It started out with reprobation. And then it turned to slaughter. And what is the reason for this? For the violence done to thy brother Jacob. Shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. 
Don't think it couldn't happen to you, Christian. You know, unforgiveness and bitterness, Jesus spoke about it quite a bit. Matthew 18, he gave a parable about it. Talked about turning people over to tormentors who didn't forgive their brother from the heart. A root of bitterness is even worse than that. You know, it's kind of like a festered unforgiveness. Um, bitterness is um, is unforgiveness mixed with anger, I would say. Um, and the Lord says you can't get away with that. You, you must repent of that, right? And, it, and if um, the violence that Esau does to Jacob is obvious in the Middle East, um, and it's obvious among Christians because uh, quite often uh, those that continue to attack their brother, those that continue to speak evil and to slander their brother, uh, they start, first of all, losing their wisdom. And ultimately, if they don't repent, they'll lose their eternal life. Okay. Let's read a few more verses here. I think I'm going to go to verse 14. It says, And stand thou not in the crossway to cut off those of his that escape, and deliver not up those of his that remain in the day of distress. Well, now, here's, here's the situation. What is this talking about? It's talking about when Edom blocked the way of Jacob when Jacob was escaping the beast to go into the wilderness. They stood in the way. They stopped them from escaping the beast. That was the situation. Okay. That's very interesting because we had a dream back in 2008. It was given to Garrett Crawford. It was exactly this. And I'm just going to tell you the the basics of it. Um, Garrett was watching as a field in the midst of a great city. And uh, we believe the city represents the world of Babylon something that's happening around the world, right? But on this field, he said it was like a football field, and you know a football field is, is um, competition between uh, one goalpost and the other, right? And uh, on this field, uh, there were many, well, in this case, I know this happens around the world, but in this case, it was UBM people that he saw. He didn't recognize a lot of them because um, UBM Fellowship is um, is a larger fellowship than he's ever been, uh, you know, introduced to. But it was UBM people who were fleeing across this field to go to their safe house. In other words, they were fleeing for safety in the wilderness. That's where their safe house was in the wilderness. They were fleeing for safety in the wilderness. And while they were fleeing across this field, hostile soldier-type men in red uniforms began parachuting down 
into the field. Well, let me just say that um, this is red uniforms. <clears throat> uh, we know that red can represent sin. Those who are dressed up in sin put on sin instead of the righteousness of the Lord. Isaiah 1 and 18 says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But also we understand that Edom means red and was the name given to Esau when he sold his birthright as a son of Abraham. Wow. And uh, Genesis uh, 25 and 30, And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red, and pottage was added in, but that's what it was, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom, or red. And Jacob said, Sell me first thy birthright. So he did. He looked with little esteem upon his birthright, and he sold it. And uh, Hebrews chapter 12, as you know, verse 14 says, Follow after peace with all men and sanctification without which no man shall see the Lord. And verse 15, uh, Looking carefully, lest there be any man that falleth short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby the many be defiled lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one mess of sold his own birthright. Why was he called a fornicator? <clears throat> well, to make it very brief, um, he uh, did something that was that God commanded not to do. He, he married um, the Canaanites of the land. He married the Hittites. He married into um, Ishmael's daughter. As you know, Ishmael, his mother was Egyptian, and he married an Egyptian, so his daughter was basically Egyptian. So um, he married into that, contrary to his family's wishes and God's commands. And uh, the, many of these people make up Palestinians today. So he was a fornicator. And I want to tell anybody that sits and listens to uh, Esau, is receiving a seed from him, and uh, that's fornication. You got no business having any connection to him. <clears throat> but going on, uh, so these people were parachuting down into the field to try to stop uh, the UBM people from escaping the beast. And um, Garrett thought to himself, well, this doesn't look good for them, you know, because the soldiers were trying to detain them or, or stop them from fleeing into the wilderness safety, okay? Well, what could stop anyone from UBM from fleeing into wilderness safety? Uh, well, if you're captured by those with a root of bitterness, if you're captured by that root of bitterness, you will not escape. And just according to what we've just read, you will not escape. You cannot escape the beast if you've got bitterness because only the sanctified will be able to do that. 
So he warns us in Hebrews 12 to be sanctified. And he said these these people in red tried to detain everyone that, that was running to the safe house. He said, which in fact was David's house. You know, because obviously it is the house of David in the wilderness. We're not talking about me, but uh, the David ministry, right? And so, uh, you know, years ago we had a sister in our assembly who had a dream that she and others were fleeing from people in red uniforms who were trying to capture them. And um, they they fled for safety into a tower. Well, we knew that this was Zion because Micah 4 and 8 says the tower of the flock, which also represents Proverbs 18 and 10. The name, meaning the nature, character, and authority of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and is safe. What's the tower of the flock? Zion. What is Zion? The bride. Do you want to escape the Edomites? Well, flee to the tower of purity, of righteousness, of truth, of beauty, uh, which is what? Zion. So, if uh, the people with the uh, root of bitterness captured you, they capture you with what? The root of bitterness. And what does that make? It makes you not able to go to the tower of the flock. You cannot escape in Zion. For the nature, character, and authority of the Lord is in Zion. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and is safe. The righteous run into it and is safe. No one else is going to escape. Okay? So that's what verse 14 is talking about. And uh, I just love it because the Lord just brings back things from years before to my mind. And I go back and I look and I get a bigger revelation than I had at the time. I interpreted uh, Garrett's, Garrett's uh, dream back then as the Edomites, you know. But uh, it just came so much more to life when the Lord started pointing this out to me. So, so let's go back to Obadiah. And read on down. First of all, 14 was talking about the time uh, when the Edomites were abusing Jacob and uh, stopping them from escaping, uh, trying to uh, uh, cause them to fall short of the grace of God through a root of bitterness in which many are defiled, right, okay? And then verse 15 says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. Yes, when this happens in verse 14, the day of the Lord is close. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. So leading up to that time of the day of the Lord, uh, folks, uh, whatsoever man sows, so shall he reap. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. We just read that, too, in Ezekiel 35, right? Thy dealing shall return upon thine own head. Yep, if you judge others, you will be judged, right? For as you have drunk upon my holy mountains, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yep, they will drink and swallow down 
and shall be as though they had not been. But in Mount Zion there shall be those that escape. There it is. And it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Oh, praise the Lord. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire. And the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau for stubble. What is he saying there? He's saying, Jacob, Joseph will speak the words that will burn up Esau. And they shall burn among them and devour them. And there shall not be any remaining to the house of Esau. Now, I know that people see this only in the natural, um, that there won't be any remaining. And they're looking for the Palestinians to be wiped out, every last one of them. They're trying to figure out how in the world is Israel going to accomplish this, you know. But I don't believe it, folks. I believe that there is one way that this can be totally, perfectly fulfilled because we're already told that Edomites will be reprobated and utterly destroyed by the Lord. It does say that the Lord is going to do the ultimate destruction. I believe the reprobation will happen during the tribulation period but the ultimate destruction is going to be the Lord. You want me to read it to you? Okay, that's in Isaiah 63. Who is this that cometh up from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? Bozrah is the sheepfold. Okay, you're thinking about Edom here. Think about the sheepfold. Okay, because some sheep are, uh, are not of Jacob's flock, right? Dyed garments from Bozrah. This that is glorious in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat? I have trodden the winepress alone. You remember the winepress in the book of Revelation, huh? It was the destruction of the nations, you know. One that will be destroyed, we know, is the harlot. The destruction of the harlot. And I think that's pretty much a parable for, for the Edomites who have persecuted. The harlot was guilty of the blood of the saints and of the prophets. And so were the Edomites. And I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the peoples there was no man with me. Yea, I trod them in mine anger, and trampled them in my wrath. And their life blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help. And I wondered that there is none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my wrath, it upheld me. And I trod down the peoples in mine anger, and made them drunk in my wrath. And I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. But you don't want to be in that, do you? 
Well, that's Edom. First of all, he took away their understanding. He took away their wisdom. They didn't even know who they were. Do you know that in the beginning of the tribulation period, the people that were persecuting God's people, those Pharisees, those Sadducees, those Zealots, those uh, those people, um, Jesus said to his disciples, Unto you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it is not given. People don't realize what happened was he did not grant them repentance. He did not grant them understanding. He spoke to them in parables so they wouldn't even understand. Their understanding was darkened, just like Obadiah 8 speaks about. And ultimately, they continued to persecute the people of God until God destroyed them. And he came in 70 A.D. in the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he destroyed them. And will he do it for those Christians who are not Christians? Yes, he will do the same thing. He said there will not be any remaining to the house of Esau, verse 18 of Obadiah. For the Lord of hosts has spoken it, and they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the lowland, the Philistines. And they, you know, the Philistines, which is where the word, I believe, Palestinian came from, you know, but it's not just Philistines that makes up the Palestinians. The Edomites are there too, and Ishmaelites. And as you know, Esau crossed with the Ishmaelites, you know, which his father and mother did not want, nor did God. And they of the lowland, the Philistines, and they shall possess the people of Ephraim and the field of Samaria. Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captives of this host of the children of Israel that are among the Canaanites shall possess, even unto Zarephath, the captives of Jerusalem that are in uh, Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. And saviors shall come upon Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. There's that fire again. To judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. And that is, of course, Revelation 11 and 15, when the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Praise the Lord. So, leading up to the end of the tribulation period, saviors shall come upon Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. God is going to put a fire in the mouth of Jacob and Joseph, and Esau is going to be the stubble. So, you know, reaping what you sow. As a Christian, you want to avoid judgment and unforgiveness. As a Christian, you want to avoid that because the Lord says, as you meet, it shall be measured unto you again. So you want to be careful to avoid that if you want to be beautiful unto the Lord. Uh, we want we want all to be saved. That we want all the call to be saved. We desire, we work in that direction for all the call to be saved. But it's just not going to happen, is it? We don't know and we don't pick who is who. Uh, Jesus gave Judas a chance. He seemed to have treated him the way he treated the rest of his apostles, yet from the beginning he actually knew 
who it was that was going to fall away and betray him. And so we see this judgment that will come. You know, what is the way of warfare? You know, I mean, um, what's the method of warfare? What of in spiritual, let me say, uh, most of the warfare that Edom has brought against Jacob in these days has been um, not necessarily physical warfare, but it sounds much like um, Psalms 12. Let me read that to you. In the Lord do I take refuge. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend the bow, and they make ready their arrows upon the string, that they may shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, I want to say something to you, that that is what Satan wants to do in these days. He wants to destroy the foundations, and he wants to destroy anyone who teaches and uh, promotes the foundations. And Satan is out to... Satan knows that the David ministries are coming. He's going to do his very best to stop this and to destroy them. Just like when the man-child was born, the dragon was there waiting to devour the man-child. And Herod, when he found out about Jesus being born, sent forth his soldiers to devour him, okay, the beast, right? So the devil knows what he doesn't want to happen, but he can't stop it and neither can his subjects. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord, his throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he will rain snares, fire and brimstone, and burning wind, shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loveth righteousness. The upright shall behold his face. And I'm going to read uh, chapter 12 to you also. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak falsehood, every one with his neighbor, with a flattering lip. And with a double heart do they speak. The Lord will cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that speaketh great things, who have said, with our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Because of the oppression of the poor and because of the sighting of the needy, now will I arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety that he panteth for. There's that safe house, right? Uh, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, purified seven times. Thou wilt keep them, O Lord. Thou wilt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. 
Lightning. And here's another text, um, Psalm 50 and, and 20. It says, Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. Sounds like Jacob and Esau, right? These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth the sacrifice of thanksgiving glorifieth me, and him that ordereth his way aright will I show the salvation of God. Well, saints, I want for all of you the salvation of God. I want... uh, his provision to be your provision. You know, the blessing that God promised. I'm going to go back and read the blessing that was given to Jacob by God's hand. Genesis uh, 27 and 27 says, He came near and he kissed him. And this is Isaac, of course. And uh, he smelled of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, this not my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. And God giveth thee the dew of heaven and of the the faithless, the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and new wine. Let peoples serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be everyone that blesseth thee. So now you know, folks, that this um, cursing and blessing promise was uh, now given to Jacob. It wasn't given to Esau. Uh, Esau was in line for it, but he sold his birthright, and frankly, God wasn't pleased, and God saw to it that the secondborn received the firstborn's blessing and um, an inheritance. And it is so that God will take it away from the one that doesn't bear fruit and give it to the ones that do bear fruit. You remember Jesus speaking about that? Mm -hmm. So if, if you don't overcome whatever was due to be yours, will be taken away and given to those that have already borne fruit. And uh, so my exhortation to you today is uh, make sure that you're not defiled with someone else's problem, that you're not defiled with someone else's bitterness. You know, their angry, their unforgiveness. Where are these Edomites? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And and what are they trying to do? They're trying to cause you to miss out on your inheritance. They're trying to uh, stand in your way and keep you from escaping the beast. You know, the righteous will run into that tower and they will be 
set on high, one version says, or made safe, another version says. The righteous. There, there is no one that is righteous who is full of bitterness and anger and uh, railing against their brother. There is no one that is righteous. So uh, anyone in your life that is that way, uh, the Bible tells you in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6 to separate from them, you know, to get away from them, right? You know, brethren, it says in Luke 6, I'm going to read this to you, verse um, 30, uh, 22, it says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company. That's what faction is. And reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. What does he say? Blessed are ye. Well, it don't feel like a blessing, does it? No, it sure doesn't. But the Lord has promised, so hold fast to his promise, right? Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. You know, is it worth going through a little bit of uh, the hatred of mankind or hatred of your brothers in order to have this great reward in heaven? I would say so. For in the same manner did their fathers unto the prophets. And then... But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full now, for you shall hunger. And woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For in the same manner did their fathers to the false prophets. Well, all right. So we should expect infamy in this world, right? We should suspect defaming in this world. We should suspect the hatred of those that will not obey the Word of God in this world. We should suspect it. And what do we have? What do you say? A great reward. I would say... Uh, at least, you know, the uh, benefits that were due to Esau, just like Jesus said in the New Testament, were given to Jacob, and they will be in the end, too. If Jacob is patient and endures and, um, and uh, walks in obedience to the Lord God, uh, they will receive these things. Oh, praise be to God. And I have, let's see, one other thing that was given to me, which was very good, from uh, Ellie McBride. Ellie McBride is a faithful servant of the Lord. She served many of you by um, duplicating many of our materials and and sending them out. And um, and she she said this. She said, she said, hello to my UBM brethren. I was inspired to forward how the Lord showed me how I was to fear him after listening to Wednesday's Bible study called on, on Fearing the Lord. She said, a couple of years ago, I had a conversation with a co-worker of mine 
that the Lord set up to teach me about the fear of the Lord. I overheard my coworker talking with one of our clients. He was showing us how he had learned how to say stapler in Spanish. He told the woman the word, and I asked myself, is he saying what I think he's saying? And after the woman left the office, I asked my coworker about it, and he told me that one of the jailers taught him the Spanish word for stapler, and he repeated it to me. I quickly informed him that the word he was saying was not the word for stapler. He asked me what the word meant. I told him I did not know what the word meant. All I knew was that it was a bad word. And he asked why the jailer would tell him it meant stapler. I told him I didn't know, but that it was a bad word and he should not say it. And then he wanted to know what the correct word for stapler was in Spanish. And I had to look it up on Google as I did not know it. And it turned out to be grabadora, something like that. Probably not right, but I'll try. Later in the evening, while at home, the Lord brought the conversation to my mind. And I began to muse about how and why it was that I did not know the meaning of that particular bad word, even though I speak Spanish, which is why he asked me, because he assumed I knew the meaning of it. It took me back to my childhood. I remembered how strict and heavy-handed my father had been with his children and how he had not allowed any of us to use profanity or to use any of the slang words that were prevalent at that time in the area that we grew up in. Because we did not speak the lingo, we were often seen and treated as if we did not belong. I suddenly came to a realization that I had never thought about before. I realized that I had feared my father more than I had feared being ostracized by the rest of the people, whether at school or in my neighborhood. Then it came to me that not only was I affected in this way, but all of my brothers and sisters. From the oldest who is uh, in his 60s to the youngest who is in her 40s, this is quite a span of years. Um, and yet my father had instilled such fear in us uh, that not a one of us ever dared to speak like the others around us spoke. We put up instead with being ostracized. As I pondered on these things, the voice of the Lord broke through my thoughts and said, that's how you are to fear me. I pray, as David prayed at the end of the Bible study on 11.23.11, that we be granted the gift of the fear of the Lord so that we will fear the Lord more than being ostracized by the world because we do not walk or talk as they do. May May we glorify his holy name. Amen. Well, here's a couple of verses. Um, Malachi 1 and 6. A son honoreth his father, 
and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is mine honor? If I am a master, where is my fear? saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? All right. And Jeremiah uh, 35. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction to hearken to my words, says the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rehob, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. And unto this day they drink none, for they obey their father's commandment. But I have spoken unto you, rising up early and speaking, and ye have not heard, uh, hearkened unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early, and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them, and you shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But you have not inclined your ear, nor hearkened unto me. For as much as the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rehab, um, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people has not hearkened unto me. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard, and I have called unto them, but they have not answered. So, um, anyway, Ellie was uh, uh, kind of excited because these are the same texts that actually came to her, you know. It's pretty neat. You know, if we obey our earthly fathers, we should that much more obey our heavenly father uh, whose word uh, brings eternal life, right? Hey, Brother Frank, I'm wondering if you um, have something to say about this um what we've been talking about here. The fear of the Lord, or bitterness and unforgiveness. Uh, yes, brother, I can relate to that. I, uh, I have uh, jotted down the things that uh, we should avoid and stay away from. To, uh, we got to be purified before we be sanctified. We've got to cleanse our mind and... and uh, and I, I want to share with you, uh, David, along the line that we you just now ministering. I got it. The powers of darkness is the flesh, brother, allowing the enemy to work through our flesh. Jesus says it's not what goes in you, it's what comes out of us, out of our mouths that, that will defile us. And so uh, jealousy is one of them, and uh, envy is one, anger is one. Worrying is one, if you can believe it. It's scripture, what I'm giving you here. And and uh, greed, malice and grumbling, scoffing, slander. We get a lot of that, David. Can yes, we do. Me? 
Yes, we do, yeah, yeah. and a lot of it's a lot of it's all rooted and based in um, in unforgiveness or a root of bitterness. Absolutely, but what does the word say? Through all of this, rejoice in it. That Jesus says they did it to me, and they're going to do it to you if you're living godly, David, and ministering mm-hmm. the word of God, eternal salvation. Because uh, if the word that you're teaching and, and the words you speak. We are washed and cleansed by the washing of the water by the word. And when we uh, clean, uh, purify our mind, then sanctification comes. We're sanctified through the word. Thy truth is. And so we, we need to get, I've got it wrote down here. I'm reading right off my pad. I wrote these down so I remind myself. I talk to speak to myself. You, you absolutely, when these spirits come at you, you're going to. Uh, you're going to know them by their works. Prize one of them, unforgiveness, is stealing. If you can believe it, what does Satan come to do? To rob, to kill, and steal from us, the eternal word. And and, he, and if he can come to you and 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 uh, complaining and grumbling about another brother's truly serving the Lord, uh, what can you say? If God's with you, who can be against you? We can pray for these brothers. I pray for everyone tonight. I love nobody. Amen. Hold out there. I don't love, brother. I, I pray for you, and I and I covered your prayers. Everyone's under the sound of my voice, and, and because rejection is one of them, retaliation, revenge, and negligence, and uh, bitterness. And that right there in itself, bitterness. You've you got to keep yourself clean of that and clear of that thing. And, and Well, all of them, really. And everything that I just spoke to you, if you listen to the world, the world approves of every one of these, uh, what we should stay away from. And, brothers, I, I encourage you by the, the Spirit of God that you flee from all just what I just announced to you or spoken to you. And all these, you can. All you got to do is you can cleanse your mind, and all these things are gone. That's where Satan tries to get back into your mind and and work all these things. You, you see, Jesus says it's not what comes into your mind that will defile you; it's what you allow come out of your mouth. It says, clean and purify. And your mind, and then you come into the sanctification, uh, David. And uh, as a matter of fact, we talked about this earlier in John chapter, uh, St. John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 15 says, If you love me, now I want you to understand and hear this carefully. I do. I read it slow and hear what the Spirit is saying to me. And it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And uh, that you'll find that in, in John's chapter 14 and, and uh, verse 15. And, brother, this is uh, a thing. We ask God, and I have been like this. I remember years back I was asking the Lord to go heal somebody. He, he spoke it to me, David, just as plain as I'm speaking now. To everyone that's hearing my voice, he said, "All right, let's get up and let's go do it. I'm in you. You're the vessel, and and whatever we speak in His name, He's given us the authority, David, to speak 
in his name, which is the word. And he said, whatever we speak, faith believing. When we just talk, speak off on the top of our heads, that prayer very rarely ever gets heard. But he looks on the in-depths of our hearts and what's in our spirit and our soul when we cry out to him with that like David did. Um, uh, uh, you speaking earlier, uh, David. He sees that. He, he, he judges what's in the intents of our very soul what we're crying out for, and then he answers them prayers for me every time. And the other ones, I just speak to him often, talk, you know, just the thought come in my mind, I said, Lord, and, and he's, he, he very rarely ever, he searched on the in-depths of our heart what we truly desire and crave. And he, he said, if you crave me, craving is being hunger, and it's craving, you got to have the word. I remember, David, you telling me, so many times, and I'm also, when we first come to the Lord, I couldn't put the Word down. I remember one afternoon, I began to read the Word of God, and after a while, I looked behind me at the window, and it looked like the sun was going down. I said, well, it'll soon be dark. And uh, after a while, I looked, and the sun was getting higher. I had been all afternoon and all night dining on the Word. And, brother, when you get, I was hungered in, and I prayed it off. Stay in that frame of mind because if we walk in the spirit of God and we can uh, we can overcome the powers of the darkness is the flesh that Satan uses to work through. What I just spoke to you, if, they, if you allow them to come out of your mind or stay in your mind, uh, the scripture says from the bottom of your heart speaks the mouth, get rid of them immediately when they come. Maybe you can, uh, I know you can, David, uh, not a maybe, you, you, you can add to this, what I'm saying. Well, amen. I totally agree with you there. You know, if a person's really hungering and thirsting after righteousness, what they're reading is going into them, you know. That's right. Um, if you're just studying it to show somebody else, it's not necessarily so. You know, uh, if you're just quoting verses as a preacher, it's not necessarily so. But if you're hungering and thirsting for more God and you're studying that word because you're enjoying it and loving it, well, it's going into you. And the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, uh, That's true, you David. But when you do this, uh, like I was just saying, if you just want the letter, uh, the word, and if you don't, if you don't allow the, the word of God to sanctify and purify you, it, it will bring a spirit of Satan to enter in with that just the word, because Satan can quote the word, mm-hmm. and, and that is the fleshly mind, and he will absolutely bring criticism. When you when you study the Bible for that, all you want to do is criticize and condemn others. If that's all it's in mm-hmm. you, David, I have to speak the truth, the word of God, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. I'm not judging yeah. anyone. Jesus said himself, I didn't come to judge you. The words I speak, they will be your judge. And if you have the eternal word in us, David, which the word is God, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and it is God. And so it's going to be our judge, the day of judgment, because God, the Father said, I can't deny myself, which is the word, and I can't deny you. If we stand before the judgment throne of God, and the word's going to be our judge in counsel, it said he's kept me, and he's going to hear the word, recommend you, beloved son. Into eternal, into the glory of the Lord. 
You know, Paul said, uh, knowledge puffeth up. You know, we study a lot of things. We study a lot of deep things. We love to study the Word of God. We love to learn more about God. But the self-righteous love to learn more uh, because to them it's power. To them it's it's, uh, being lifted up above their brethren. To them they know something that somebody else doesn't know. So uh, knowledge puffeth up, but love edifieth, you know. Uh, You're nothing without love. If you just gain knowledge in order to judge other people, you have missed the boat. You will be cut off, just like Esau. The truth is, knowledge should be a way to godliness, you know, not a way to being puffed up. I do know that when we teach these things, they're received with excitement in some hearts and put to work in some hearts. In other hearts, they don't put them to work. They're hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. But that doesn't mean that they don't take the word to judge and criticize someone else and to set themselves above other people. So, I mean, if if there's no repentance that goes along with the word as you put it in there, you're just getting puffed up. That's all. I mean, the word is, brings into, comes into our heart in order to grant repentance. I mean, change of mind. You, you know, you got to be a doer of the word before you can be a sharer of the word. Otherwise, it doesn't come out right. You know, That's right. comes out as pride. Most all, David, these scriptures I quoted to you, it works through when we're lukewarm. Uh, you know, we don't have the whole counsel of God. We don't abide in the whole word of God, the, the truth of the word that, that cleanses us. And then if we keep doing it, David, we're coming to the, uh, when we crucify the flesh. And then uh, that is the old man of the flesh. We get rid of that. And then it comes uh, to sanctification, comes purification, comes then sanctification. We're sanctified by thy word. Jesus said, sanctify them, Father, by thy word, or you sanctified. Mm-hmm. But first of all, you got to let the word, we have to allow the word, the truth of the word to come in, and we're washed, our mind is and cleansed by the washing of the water by the word. And then after we uh, uh, do that, then we, we can come into sanctification. If we're purified, we uh, we can't come with a carnal mind and be sanctified. We've first got to be purified. And that's getting rid of the old power of the flesh, the old man of the flesh, David. We don't we, we don't allow that. I, I don't. That's why I got these uh, uh, in my notes here. I'm looking at them now and got all the things we should stay clear of. Grumbling, complaining about you, you know, people come against you. Jesus said they'll do it, though, because they come against me, they're going to come against you. I'm not talking about any one individual. I'm just talking about every individual uh, person that does have not had their minds cleansed and washed by the water of the Word. If you don't, you still got that old nature, which is Satan, his character and authority and nature in you. And you do his will. Jesus of the word said, whoever you yield your members to, him you serve. And in John five thirty nine says, search the scripture in them. You think you have eternal life, but they are they of you that 
purify me, but you haven't come to me with all your heart and soul wanting to be cleansed, coming to the Word and let it wash you, you know. Brother, it's, it's, it's a glory to me. I stay with the truth. I love the truth. I crave it. And, and, and you know, David, I've told you times I, I don't follow man. I follow the Spirit of God in you. And it feeds my soul, and I, I'm going to be there with you. And anyone else that has the Spirit of God in you, it feeds my soul. But if you come to me with grumbling and complaining and, you know, criticizing, like, you know, you, I, I don't have to name names, brother. You, you know what Satan tries yes. to do. you got your mind. You still with me? Yes, I am. All right, maybe you can relate to you know you you've got the word of the eternal word in you, David. So here's okay, this is the this is the word that comes to me in First Timothy chapter six in verse eleven. It says, "But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of the faith." Lay hold on the life eternal. Lay hold on the life eternal. Which is where? In Christ Jesus. Where did God give eternal life? In Christ Jesus. Where can you claim it? In Christ Jesus. Can you, is, has God put eternal life in your hand? No, he didn't. He put it in Christ Jesus. He's given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus. And where do you get to claim that? Fighting in Christ Jesus. First of all, by faith, and second of all, by manifestation. You know, First John 5 and 11 says, And the witness is this, that God gave unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath the life. He that hath not the Son hath not the life. Can you look at anybody and tell they've got the Son? Well, of course, you know, these things that he mentioned here, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, this is the Son. He said, Fight the good fight of the faith. Lay hold on the life eternal. Who's he talking to? Christians. You know, if you've got eternal life by faith, that's good. But a person who walks in faith has works. Faith without works is dead. Right? So you are manifesting eternal life in these ways. These things are eternal life. Look, listen carefully again. Okay? This is what eternal life is. Listen carefully. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on the life eternal whereunto thou wast called. The word called is invited. You've been invited to partake of eternal life. You've been invited to partake of of the Son of God who gave himself for you. Are you doing it? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are if you're just reading the Word, if it's just puffing you up. 
You're not partaking of righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. No. Whereunto thou wast called, and didst confess the good confession in the sight of many witnesses. The good confession, of course, is that I don't live and Christ lives in me. It's a good confession. But are you going to walk it out? You know, are you going to manifest your eternal life? You know, he says actually in uh, the second Second um, Timothy, in chapter two, he says, um, verse twenty. I'm going to go back to nineteen. Nineteen. Howbeit the firm foundation of God standeth, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of the Lord depart from unrighteousness. In other words, you're not supposed to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You know, we take his name at baptism. We, we accept our death and resurrection life at baptism. We accept his name when we come up out of that water. And he says, don't you take the name of the Lord in vain. In other words, don't take it. Don't live up to it. Don't take it for nothing. He said, let everyone that nameth the name of the Lord depart from unrighteousness. And what does he say? The Lord knows them that are his. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold, and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some unto honor, and some unto dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, speaking, of course, of the wood and the earth, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. Now, notice, if you're sanctified, you're purging yourself of these things that are earthly. Meet or able for the master's use. If you purge yourself from these earthly things as a vessel of honor, you'll be sanctified and able for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. But flee useful lusts and follow after righteousness, faith, love, patience with them. They call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and ignorant questionings refuse, knowing that they gender strifes. And the Lord's servant must not strive, but be gentle towards all, apt to teach and forbearing. In meekness, correcting them that oppose themselves. Because this is what happens, you know, people that are living after the lust of their flesh, they are their own destroyers. Their worst enemy is the, the old man that they live after, right? That oppose themselves. If peradventure, God may give them repentance unto the knowledge of the truth. Notice, he doesn't always do that. He didn't do it with those Jews that Jesus spoke about. To his disciples, he said, unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it's not given. And uh, he said that they may recover themselves. He said, if peradventure 
God may give them repentance unto the knowledge of the truth, and they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him unto his will. So, you know, it's some people act as though they believe unconditional eternal security. Of course, if you ask them, they they would say no, but they act like they believe it. They act like they're just there. They act like the Lord is not there. <laughs> you know, the Lord is there, you know, and, and, and you haven't arrived yet. So be careful. Tremble, you know, as Brother Don shared with us, you know. Uh, seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Tremble before Almighty God who is there and he is looking and he knows what you're doing. Tremble before the Lord. He knows what you're doing. If you're judging others, you're not doing what the Bible says. You know, uh, you know, especially if you're not judging them for sin, you know, uh, you're not being obedient. We were warned very clearly that um, that you're not the judge. The Lord is, right? And that um, a person that doesn't repent, you know, uh, will receive exactly the way they judge, you know. He says, Speak not one against another brethren. He that speaketh against a brother or judgeth his brother speaketh against the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judgest the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. And only one is the lawgiver and judge. And he who is able to save and to destroy. But who art thou that judgest thy neighbor? Same thing it says in Romans uh, 14. You know, some people uh, are puffed up. That's why they think that the Lord has put them in the position of judging others. And they're just in rebellion. And the Lord is able to humble people like that. He will ultimately do it. After he's used them as a vessel of dishonor, he will humble them. And if that doesn't work, he will reprobate them. And so, what do you think, Brother Frank? It's absolutely true, brother. I, I was meditating on back in my younger days when you were ministering here. If you know, uh, my mother would tell me if I was uh, on up probably six, seven years old, and then I had a sister and two brothers then, and she would tell me, "said All right, if you don't behave yourself and start being so rowdy and." and irritate and aggravate and I'm going to tell your dad when he gets uh, tell your dad when he gets home and he's going to take you to the shed <laughs> yep and so when he'd get home she'd say uh, well you need to take Frank out to the shed and you know what my dad would do he'd come out there and he would talk to me about how I should not irritate or aggravate my mother he said, now, uh, he'd take his belt out, and he'd tell me, he said, now, when I hit my leg, you holler. And so he, he'd take that belt, and, and he didn't hit me, but he hit it on himself. 
and I would holler like he was, uh, and like act like I was crying, I sound like I was crying. But you know what he spoke to me melted my heart. It does now when I think back. He didn't have to whip me or, or beat on me. The words he spoke to me corrected me, and that's the way our heavenly Father is. He said, if your father, earthly father, knows how to give you good gifts, how much more will I give you? Mm-hmm. Peace, love, and joy, David. I tell you, I love the father. Amen. And, uh, and he hit himself, too, didn't he, with his belt? He hit Jesus, right? Sure did. He crucified. He was. <laughs> was in Jesus. Good point. Good point. Yes. Yes, he's very, very merciful. But if we need that whipping, he will definitely give us that whipping, right? Well, he he will, but he'll talk to you first. He'll try to correct you through his word. Yep. If then he's gonna you're gonna suffer that. Uh, you you know if you willfully do something contrary to the word of God, you I've heard you say this so many times, David. You're gonna pay for that sin. What if you willfully do? It's not under the blood. It's not covered. And we and you know, we're going to suffer some for that until we truly repent. Repentance is when uh, you got to do like David. I study David so often and 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 how he repented and he confessed right to the depths of it. He confessed to God, "I am guilty. I stand before you willfully guilty. I did it willfully, knowing what." And I looked on these things. I didn't turn my head or, or, you know, cut my hand off or just didn't reach out. But David repented from his heart, and he got a testimony, a man after God's own heart. And if we can come to that conclusion with ourselves and know that we're treated, we just don't say words. So God looked on David's heart, and David was, was crying out, please don't take your spirit from me. And brother, when we willfully doing a thing, uh, we're not under the, we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit, but it's the spirit of Satan. He, Jesus, told Peter when Peter went out there, I wanted to uh, kill the soldiers that the army that was coming to take him to the cross. And Peter wanted to take up the sword and cut one of them's ear, cut it off. And Lord uh, Jesus reached up, and reached down, got him, put it. Took it right back on it, and it was it was back healed. And uh, praise God, we uh, we abide in the Word, and the Word abides in us, David. Then we're safe from all harm, and and uh, just uh, love the Father and let Him correct us. And if we don't accept His corrections through the words, as we are cleansed by the washing of the Word. Is bringing all the impurities out of us, cleansing our minds, and then we can go on from purification to sanctification. And that's the, that's the area where some of us are in now, you know. But uh, anyway, we have a loving Father, David, that knows our needs, and, and, and uh, we can, uh, he said, I, Jesus himself said, God is faithful and just to forgive all Whatever, if you really repent from your heart, come back to him. Amen. His word speaks loud and clear to me, David. 
It reminds me um Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that one died for all, therefore all died. In other words, Jesus died for all of us, therefore we all died. Not just me, but you, you know. And uh, he died for all, that they that live should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him for their sakes died, who for their sakes died and rose again. Wherefore, we henceforth know no man after the flesh. Even though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now we know him so no more. And what does he mean by that? Well, he means this in verse 17. He says, Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, they are become new. So we just reckon a person not after the flesh, but after the spirit, that they have died with Christ, and now they're a new creature, and old things have passed away. Uh, if a person, of course, is walking in willful disobedience, uh, then they don't—they're not entitled to grace. Then they need a correction, you know. Uh, but that's God's job, and, and God, you know, He said, "Be in readiness to avenge disobedience when your obedience is made full." Almost none of the people out there that are running around correcting people are living a holy life. And they're living in corruption, and they want to be puffed up and judge other people. Well, that's the last person that God's going to use to correct anybody. But he says, this is the way you think about them. They're a new creature. The old things have passed away. They have become new. But all things are of God who reconciled us unto himself through Christ. Reconcile means he exchanged us, you know, his life for our life. So that's why we're a new creature. That's why old things have passed away, right? Who reconciled us unto himself through Christ and gave unto us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not reckoning unto them their trespasses, and having committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We are ambassadors, therefore, on behalf of Christ, meaning, of course, we we represent his kingdom, right, to the world, ambassadors on behalf of Christ, as though God were entreating by us, we beseech you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Him who knew no sin, he made to be sin on your behalf, on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And working together with him, we entreat also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. So the Lord did this for us, you know, and he wants us to be encouraging other people to be partaking in this reconciliation, to be believing that God uh, made them a new creature and that the old man has passed away 
and then all things are become new. Uh, not reckoning unto this person who desires this gift uh, their trespasses, uh, but instead being a minister of reconciliation, we put faith in them to believe these things, you know. And, uh, you know, the Bible says to be at peace with all men. As much as lieth in you, be at peace with all men. And he called that sanctification. That's a part of sanctification. So, you know, um, if we want grace from God, we got to give grace. If we want forgiveness from God, we got to give forgiveness. If we want judgment from God, we'll give illegal judgment. If we want unforgiveness from God, we will illegally not forgive others. And, uh, you know, it's just... Um, we can't, in this late hour, afford to have any kind of a root of bitterness or unforgiveness that would cause us not to be forgiven by God and be turned over to the tormentors. And that's what I'm seeing, uh, is people being turned over to the tormentors. The grace of God, because he wants people to come to repentance. He is a good God. He loves us. And he wants to be merciful. And um, so give mercy if you want mercy, right? So whatever you need, think about that. You make your own future. So whatever you need. Sow it in the hearts of others. It will come back to you. You know, like uh, Solomon said, so your bread upon the waters it will return to you after many days, right? Amen. It will come back to you. Right, Frank? Absolutely. Uh, while you were ministering that on that subject, uh, the, the uh, Jesus gave talents to three people, five, three, and one. The, the one that received the one talent, he went and dug a hole and, and buried it in his mind, really. He said he buried it in the earth, earthly mind. And... Uh, in a way, uh, when the, the, you know, the, uh, when Willie was the father, come back to him and said, uh, "Ask him." And one said, "I've uh, gained five more talents, you know, to go with the five you give me." And then the three he's gained, but the, the, the third one said, "I know you to be an awesome God, and, uh, and I hid it because I knew." He said, "Well, take it." what he does have he's going to leave if you don't use it what what the word is saying we've got to use the talent that god gives us whether it's five three or one be willing to to allow the holy spirit uh, the spirit that we speak the word that we speak they are spirit jesus said that himself he said the words that i speak they are spirit and that's when you speak the truth with with out of a pure mind and a pure heart, and, and it is purified. That's where we feel the anointing come forth. Uh, and Jesus, and that's uh, you know we've got to be take this anointed, that this anointing of the word and abide in that. That's what cleanses us, David, and purifies us, and and that. Uh, and it satisfies me, brother. It's not hard. It's hard. I I have some notes somewhere, and I'll find them sometime. I may I can minister this, this to you. 
if I'd say to you, is it easier to be lost and hard to be saved? It would agree with me, but no. It's harder to, to walk away from God. It's harder to leave him uh, because, uh, you know, he, 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 does, he works through us in love and compassion and spirit. To me, it would be hard. Uh, nevertheless, <clears throat> the old man of the flesh, <clears throat> if we don't uh, eradicate, get rid of it, cast it out of your mind, uh, just what you were teaching on a while ago, what I said that I stay away from, you come right behind me and, and, and spoke what we should receive and abide in. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, take the word of God, the spirit of the word. Jesus says the words that I speak, they are spirit, and they will cleanse you and sanctify and purify you and then sanctify you. It's a process here. We, we've got to, a little here and a little there, and, and, and you know, sanctification and purification. Praise well, God. Amen. I'm, I'm happy, David, to be where I'm at in the Lord. And, and uh, I, I remember now, I, I don't know if the sister would be listening to this particular program when it, it's aired, but uh, the first word when she called me come out of her mouth, it said, I feel like I'm dying. The next thing come out of my mouth, uh, the Spirit of God <laughs> spoke to me and said, uh, uh, spoke through me, and I, you know, I yield to the Spirit and allow the Spirit. He said, "Give no thought what you say. I give you the, the, what to say." When, when, and the first thing come out of my mouth to to this sister, and she said, "I feel like I'm dying." I said, "Go ahead and die then." I was talking to the flesh. We got to let the flesh be crucified, and. Uh, it stopped her in her track, and I said, well, the Spirit spoke. It said, we have to crucify the flesh and let it die. And it, it, it's a die heart. I think they named a battery after that, too. The flesh, mm-hmm. the old man of the flesh, he, he's outside walking mm-hmm. in dry places, David. But we do have the authority to keep him out of our minds. Well, God said, I have given you the power to crucify the old man of the flesh. That is the mind of Satan. My thirsting soul, pure as water, made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. Oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus.